Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. Hour number two getting underway here. Glad to have you on board with us uh, on this day. Chad Chambers is producing 869-1240 is the number to call. We're going to talk some Shocker hoops coming up in the next segment. So, Shocker fans, if you need a place to vent, we'll have it for you in the next segment. Joining us right now, the general manager of the Wichita Thunder, Joel T. Lamerno. Joel, welcome back. How are you today? How's your Monday been? Yeah, doing good, actually. Uh, always in a good mood after a good weekend of hockey. You know, sometimes in a good mood after a good Bengals weekend, but that didn't apply this weekend. But uh, great weekend for the Thunder. Kind of always go into a weekend with three games expecting to get or expecting or hoping to get two wins. When you get three, it makes everything better. It is a. It's that time of year, right? What What are you thinking of this team early on? I mean, I I don't know how much you can evaluate. We're We're getting to a point where you guys can probably do some evaluation, right? You're seven and two on the well, seven two and one on the year through ten games. So, I mean, that has to be a good feeling at the surface. Surface, does it feel as good as it looks on paper? Well, I think you could always be a little better, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but. Um... You know, I think, and I think me and Coach, uh, you know, give actually say more Coach, uh, kind of identified that um, he really felt we were solid defensively. And uh, looking at our D, I really agree. Um, I just think we're really solid defensively, and that is huge. Um, Goaltending, tremendous. Uh, I mean, you look at a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Strauss Mann. Well, our our prospect from san jose came down here for two weeks went four and oh um he gets called up and we go to our other goalie our thunder goalie evan bite nice who's been here for years and what's he do he goes three and oh this weekend so goaltending and defense are key and it's been tremendous uh i mean would we give up this weekend two on friday two on saturday two on sunday and three on friday and we had a shutout going into the third period on uh on Friday and gave up a goal with the goalie pulled with a couple seconds left, or we would have won that game three, two in regulation. So um, basically giving up two goals a game, which we will win you most of the time um, offensively. We're good, but we could always be better. And I think one of the reasons is there is because we've got some guys injured. We've had a couple of really good prospects here from San Jose that have been battling injuries Mitch Russell's only been playing played two games, but we expect him back soon. And then uh, we've got um, my, my boy Dylan Hamelick, who's played three games and has four goals and an assist. So he's battling a little bit of an injury too, but we expect both of them. Nothing major. We expect them both back uh, very soon. Uh, so, you know, that'll, that'll be a huge addition. So, yeah, um, always room for improvement, uh, but very satisfied with where we're at right now. 
Yeah, Joel. So of course the weekend was was solid. Three games in three days and and three victories. Two of them coming in overtime. Let's talk a little bit about the game on Saturday against Iowa. So the Thunder, uh, was, the, we were down two nothing with four minutes left in the final period. Was able to score two goals to force overtime and then score a couple of minutes into the overtime period. Talk a little bit about the resilience that you saw from the team uh, for that overtime win on Saturday. Well, I thought Iowa played a solid shutdown game for us. I mean, Iowa is, it's crazy to say, they're the worst defensive team in the league. They give up five goals a game on average. That's, I'm not making that stat up. Five goals a game, which is absurdly high. So, quite frankly, I was really shocked that we not only were being shut out most of the game, but that we really didn't have many good scoring chances. Um, but they really clogged the middle and uh, almost seemed like they were trapping us. Uh, I just, we just couldn't get the puck in the zone. We couldn't get anything set up. And then... Uh, we got a nice power play break with about four minutes left, and we kept the puck in zone, got a great goal, and uh, that really fired the team up. And then um, pulled the goalie and got one there. And the momentum and the place was rocking, and uh, you pretty much had a feeling that it was going to be a quick ending in overtime, and we literally took the face off, went into the zone, and scored 15 seconds. So tremendous. Uh, you know, the last time we had a really good team was two years ago. And I was telling the staff there was a game against Rapid City where we were down 4-2 to two with under a minute to play. And we pulled the goalie and scored, pulled the goalie and scored, and won in overtime. So maybe a sign of, of things to come when uh, things are bouncing uh, in your way. All right, so the Thunder have games uh, at home on Sunday at 4.05 and Wednesday at 7.05. That's what's coming up next with the Thunder uh, Joel, you didn't get your Bengals this weekend, so where did you spend your time on Sunday? What what, what well, were you we had into, a game. and how did your weekend so, go? We had a game, so I didn't really get to watch much, but I did watch first halves, and uh, I watched the Steelers, and I watched the Browns, uh, checked in on the Chiefs, and then uh, as 99% of America, I watched the end of the Bills-Vikings game. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. As I was telling – Matt in our office when it happened uh, was very excited when the Vikings won because I always root for NFC teams over AFC teams. Uh, I was probably 50-50 with happiness on the weekend. Um, the Browns lost, Steelers won, um, Chiefs won, and uh, uh, Bills lost, and then Chargers lost. So that was also nice. Uh, so the Bengals, I looked this morning, I was like, with all the teams that lost, maybe we're in the playoffs, but we're not. We're the ninth seed because we lose all tiebreakers right now, but uh more 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 so next weekend a little disappointment excitement for chiefs fans disappointment for me that the uh, flex game uh, as you've probably talked about chiefs chargers next sunday night move the bengals game to 3:30. thunder play at the same time so i will literally not get to watch a single play of that game it's not on regular tv so that's going to be a little <laughs> little rough for me but uh i'll power through and hopefully we can get a win the bengals were five and four this time last year and went to the Super Bowl, so uh, hopefully we've got a big second half uh, going on. And I also will point out that I'm sure Tommy, as Tommy's aware, and I don't think you mentioned, but I was almost spot on on my prediction of the Bengals game on Halloween. You were? Yeah, that was um, that was pretty solid. I mean, that's obviously not something that, as a Bengals fan, you want to be very happy about, right? But you were correct uh, in that prediction for sure. Yeah, the Bengals score and uh, the first touchdown score. So, uh if you're looking for some magic for tonight, uh, uh, I, I only excel at picking Premier League soccer. 
So I don't know if I can help you tonight. <laughs> well, no, while we have not. you, Joel, I know that um, you obviously you're you're big into the the sports wagering world a little bit, and uh, so I've I've heard I've talked to you a couple different times over the weekend. You had some parlays going. It sounded like you had a pretty good weekend. Well, let's 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 not uh, say that I'm big big into. I don't want to sound like I'm this big <laughs> uh, big big uh, addicted gambler here. Um, I have found that this is it, a safe space, can, Joel. This is a safe space. Well, but I again, I, I want to. I can say that I found that the fun is betting small to win big. And yep. I'll give you my biggest example. I bet five dollars on Brentford to beat Manchester City in Premier League uh, to win eighty dollars. And uh, Brentford had not beaten Man City since Christmas night of nineteen thirty-seven, which shows you how big of an upset that was. So. Uh, and then it just, you know, threw a little bit on easy stuff. Well, not easy stuff, but things I thought could happen. West Virginia straight up over Oklahoma. Um, God, with Texas, uh, TCU oh, straight up over Texas. Just little things here and there. Um, but I'll tell you, because I know you guys, you guys kind of talk about sports wagering on your show. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so, we're, we, we embrace it. So very interesting, and, it, and it can, it's amazing. You talk about us talking to some of the guys, it's like how good these guys are at setting lines and whatnot. Um, I, I did have a, a parlay that I, I lost because um, Michigan kicked a field goal for no reason with a minute left, up 30, and that swung the line to, for, to Nebraska to lose by a half a point. And then the over-under on the, uh, the Iowa game, Wisconsin, was 35, and it finished at 34, so – Amazing, some of the the, the 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 lines that some that these these experts set and how spot on they are sometimes. I'll give you one the other way. I had a a fun little parlay that actually paid pretty big because I'm with you. You know, I'll I, I haven't decided a total strategy and and you know the people can call parlays sucker bets all they want, but the beauty of it is you only have to bet five bucks, and that's what we yeah. like, right? We're just having fun exactly. with this. But mm-hmm. so I had one on Saturday that in my last leg was. Oregon Washington going under yeah. mm. and and it was totally safe and everything's fine and then Oregon has a fumble and all these things happen and they're at 71 and a half or 71 and I think I had it at 72 and a half or something and and it just looked like it was destined to fail like everything was crumbling down after it was safe and it actually held up but my wife was trying to talk to me during the last like two minutes of that game when all this was happening and 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 the beauty of betting is like normally when I'm like, you know, throwing a piece of paper or mad, whatever, I'm about to take this bad beat. And she would say, what's your problem? The beauty of it is I can say I'm only angry because this could win whatever it was, like 200 bucks. That I say I, that's the only reason like that, that goes, <laughs> you know, that goes into the coffers for both of us. So you have to ex- yeah. you have to excuse my anger here. And she did. And we won. And it was all good. Um, so I got yeah, a whole you, pass. You're on mad acting. that you didn't win 100 you're not devastated because you lost 100. You lost five bucks. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. That's it's it. it's and, never and, you know, that back bad. Back in the day, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever, when, you know, people were doing their illegal sports betting, I mean, there wasn't anything like that. You bet $100 to, to win $100 or whatever. There wasn't yeah. any this yeah. crazy little stuff. So uh, it's fun. It's yeah, almost it's fun. It's fun. I was playing FanDuel, the FanDuel, you know, daily fantasy games before, you know. and yeah. You bet a quarter to, to hopefully win ten bucks, and uh, so it's pretty similar, but a little more, a little more exciting. All right, so we have we 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 do BetMGM here on this show, and right. they have a first touchdown insurance 
bet on Ooh. Monday and Thursday nights. I put mine mm-hmm. on Dallas Goddard tonight, everybody. You can get mm. insurance on that up to $25. I'm in on Dallas Goddard. Who Who's your play? Who, who could be a first touchdown guy tonight? Well, you know, I'm just going to stay with the hot hand and go with A.J. Brown. Yeah, that's I, that's that's not a bad idea. I, I I wonder, Tommy, if there's some Washington commander that's going to snipe this thing and if it's worth it. Uh, I don't know. I I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go Philadelphia also, but I think we see Jalen Hurts running yeah. for the first touchdown. So I'm going to take Jalen Hurts on that first TD. Yeah. I, I have my hey, feeling look, in Philly. They don't me. see Washington if they win the in the win the the opening kickoff going down the field and scoring a touchdown. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think taking Philadelphia players is the smart play um, for sure. But Houston against Philadelphia, it was what is that last Thursday? Mm, Houston well. got the first touchdown. Now it was a guy that nobody would have bet, so it didn't matter anyway. Uh, but weird things happen. Uh, weird things happen. All right, Joel. Well, we appreciate it. again the Thunder coming up next. You got two home games. The next two games are at home, so you got a chance to get out there, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get you an opportunity to get some of those tickets here on the show. But you've got Sunday at four oh five. Uh, and you've got Wednesday the 23rd, so right before Thanksgiving. If you got family yep. in town for Thanksgiving, yeah. you can get them out there on Wednesday night, 7.05, puck drop there. Joel, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck tonight with uh, with A.J. Brown and anything else well, you might throw five bucks at. You never know. <laughs> Same to you guys. Thanks a lot. Joel T. Lamerno, general manager of the Wichita Thunder, off to a red-hot start, 7-2-1 and one through the first 10 games, looking good. Maybe we can get some playoff hockey here in Wichita soon. All right, 869-1240. Shocker fans, that's where we're headed next. A loss to Alcorn State. We're as confused, maybe, maybe it's confusion as everybody else is. We'll do our best to get through it and look ahead to Richmond when we return on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's talk about Shocker Hoops here. 869-1240. If you need to chime in, uh, feel free. We'll spend some time with this, Tommy, because I think this the simplest answer for this is it's unacceptable. Um, Kevin Saul came on Sports Daily on KWitch last night and basically said the same thing. Isaac Brown, after the game, said the same thing. I think the players feel that way, too. Um, it's just an unacceptable result. You don't lose at home to Alcorn State. I don't care if all the players are new. You're just you you you're more talented. You're better. These things shouldn't happen. And I think the reason that it sticks even worse for people, Tommy, is because some of the same issues we saw last year are right back in the spotlight here. And yeah, you can lose these kinds of games in college basketball, but. And, and it's not as concerning if you don't fear bigger symptoms here. But I think with the Shockers, we have to fear bigger symptoms because of what we saw last year. I'm looking at now a game against Alcorn State where the Shockers couldn't shoot a three, 16% from three. They turned the ball over too much, 12 turnovers to just 10 assists. They got out-rebounded 
by Alcorn State, these are the same things and the same issues we saw last year. That's the biggest problem with this. Yeah, I, I've thought about this a lot uh, since Saturday evening. Uh, I've kind of got egg on my face. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I said on the show last week when we were talking about Shocker basketball that I didn't feel like there was any need to panic whatsoever with this program. Uh, yeah, there, there's a need to panic right now. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there is. And it wasn't just the result. It wasn't just the final score. Yeah, that's bad. You can't lose to Alcorn State. But it was the way in which the Shockers lost. There was no passion. There was no energy. There was no leadership. There was nothing throughout that game. Outside of about a five-minute stretch where the Shockers went on a run, Alcorn State dominated the game on both ends of the court. And with that, there absolutely come some major questions. Absolutely uh, comes some major discussion that needs to be had. Yeah. And uh, it, unfortunately, it makes me less than confident, and it should make everybody less than confident, about the future of this program in the short term and in the long term. I'm not as worried about the long term of the program uh, because I think the foundational things are happening and they're, they're going to take a little bit of time to catch up a little bit and get truly prepared for the NIL world in the short term. Yeah, it's, it's very concerning. When you go back even, Tommy, to the Central Arkansas win where the talent just shone through and turned out being a 24-point win, it was still a game. They were out almost out-rebounded, 47-42. to 42. It was still a game where they turned the ball over too much, 10 turnovers to 10 assists, and it was still a game where they shot under 30% from three. Even in the win, those problems, which were the problems with this team last year, were still there. Um, I, so, that, I mean, that's... <laughs> I, I just don't know how we can expect the team to win a bunch of games when we're seeing the same symptoms even now with an all-new team. Now, look, in in respect to reality, we're two games in here. They could come back, look great against Richmond. What we don't know about this team is its guts and its, its you know, um, resolve. I mean, it's all new, so those things we don't really know. So if they were to go and, and play really well and, and impress us at Richmond— that, that matters, too, I think. We've got to see how this team responds. Big picture, though, the same issues we've seen now for two years, and, and to some degree three years, even when they won the league, are still presenting themselves. And that's going to be a hard part about the evaluation of the future of this program. Going into the year, everything was, you know, it wasn't house money, but everything's sort of there, right? The contract makes sense for Isaac Brown. The opportunity was there. This is sort of a prove-it year. And in a prove-it year... It's going to have to be better than this. There's no question about that. And for a lot of people, it needed to be better than this. And that was the situation last year. Um, So it's just a part of the evaluation process. Long-term, big picture, I I don't know how much it means because the reality is I'm not a big donor (laughs) or anything like that. So until I know the vibe there, for the big picture in the long term, I don't really know how to evaluate the long term because that's all that really matters is is what that group of people are doing to get in a position to become a major player in NIL because that's the ticket to Wichita State's long-term status is can 
can the new administration capitalize and make Wichita State the sleeping power it should be without football in a market this size and with an industry base that it has that has shown it is willing to pony up in the past? That all doesn't really matter to what happened on Saturday anyway. It's kind of two different things happening at once, I think. I'm just saying that you can't be confident about either the short term or the long term. I'm not. No, I'm not I don't think you can be confident at all. I don't think you can be confident yeah. about it, though. No. Uh, how in the world, going back to this individual game, how in the world can Wichita State have a significant size advantage against Alcorn State? Alcorn State did not have a player taller than 6'6", and Alcorn State won the rebounding battle. Unacceptable, completely unacceptable. This is a program, it's a university that has prided, prided itself on toughness and intensity, and they looked absolutely soft on Saturday. 100% soft on Saturday. And if this doesn't get turned around, I mean, they got punched in the mouth. If it doesn't turn around right away, if they don't go out and actually show some toughness against Richmond this weekend, I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to. I don't know if this is a team that if you get punched in the mouth and you don't respond, if they'll be able to respond at any other point throughout the season. Um, so I feel like it's a little bit I mean, we're at a point now where, you know, I, I, I caution whether or not to call it a crossroads, but you're kind of a little bit you're oh, at it's a, a crossroads. You got to figure out where your team is at right now, uh, because it could very, very, very easily go off the cliff very quickly. It was at a crossroads last year. I mean, this yeah. this is the cro- we're in the crossroads. You're in the intersection right now, and that was going to be the case no matter what. That would have also been the case if they were playing really well right now. And look, they beat Central Arkansas again by twenty plus. But the reality of that game is the symptoms still existed even in that game. So yeah. when you start to play good teams, you're gonna you're not the result isn't going to go your way. It's hard now in the new era because almost all of these players are new still. So you don't while it's 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 tricky. You don't want to overreact on one hand to an almost entirely new roster, but on the other hand, you do want to overreact based on what we've seen in the past. So it it's a little bit difficult in this modern era of college basketball to get an early season evaluation because it's just it's it's difficult to do. I think that you've got to be fair though to the issues we saw last year continuing to be issues that that's a major major problem. The one thing I'll say long-term, because the greatest danger right now is apathy to this program. That is the absolute greatest danger. Okay, so if people aren't interested, that's a problem. And that's that's a bigger problem than losing a game. And I have talked to a lot of people who, you know, who are normally diehards who are kind of like, meh, like I could take it or leave it on getting to that game. Shocker fans, you couldn't get tickets. Right? Like when Shocker basketball is going well, you can't get tickets. Now, that's the problem here. And I can tell you right now that, I okay, you watch that game from start to finish, and I'm not suggesting one bit that there was apathy on the court. I mean, the players care. No, no, no I'm Brown talking about cares. off the I don't court. Know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is that there's not apathy on the court or on the sidelines, but unfortunately... I think it can be interpreted that way. I think it can look that way. There was no urgency. There was no intensity. There was no toughness. And so 
even though I know they care, and I know Isaac Brown cares. I mean, that come on. Obviously. We know that yeah. he does. But the, the demeanor of the team and the demeanor of the coach, that can trickle down to the fan base. And so if it looks like they're soft, if it looks like they're just going through the motions, if it looks like that they're, they're not bought in and passionate and all of that, that absolutely will trickle down to the fan base. And that's where you get the apathetic fan base that we're looking at right now. And so, uh, again, yeah, I, I say the words crossroads. That, that's kind of where we're at right now. I, I don't know. I know that they better respond. And look, the ball's in their court. They know that. They don't need us to tell them that. They knew that the second that game ended. We better respond. They, the players were saying after the game that the practice didn't go well during the week, and this is what happens. They're, they brought in some talented guys, and they've got to be better than that. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Hey, the coaches and, and have to be better. Position, the players have to be better. I mean, that's it. Yep. And what kind of position is Kevin Saul in right now? Um, and you, you mentioned he was on Sports Sunday. I had a chance to listen to a couple of his clips uh, from last night. I mean, that's a difficult position to be in, uh, but we, we talked about it multiple times before. He's not the athletic director that hired Isaac Brown and yeah. signed him to that contract. So what sort of position is he in right now? Do you think, I think he's in a pretty, I think he's in a fine position because I think he can take a truly, um, a truly neutral look at everything. I think the one thing he, at least based on the conversations we've had with him here and other places, is approaching this to try and reinvigorate things and go foundationally from the ground up here. So my guess is, and of course he does, he's got the ear of the people that matter as far as fundraising and doing the things that need to happen. And he can easily interpret that vibe, which is very important. And he can just take a very neutral look at what he sees. Again, I think everybody was impressed with central with the Central Arkansas outcome, right? Like we all saw a lot of things that were like, okay, like the, we can get on board with this a little bit. And then against Alcorn State, that was like somebody smashed us in the face with a, a frying pan that was labeled last year. And okay, which is it? And a lot of these early season games, and this is – it's not unfair to coaches because it's the reality that every coach is working with now. You don't have time to develop things. And each coach has a different perspective on this. Jerome Tang does have time and some grace to develop things. Isaac Brown doesn't have that. Like that seat was hot coming into this year. And everybody knows that, right? It's just, it's the reality of the situation. So, and I bring uh, Jerome Tang is interesting because I'll say this too long term. So to the long term, so the short term, right? It is it's panic time. Like you can panic right now on November fourteenth. In the long term, think about what's happened at K State for two or three years now in Manhattan. Apathy had set in for K State basketball. Absolutely unequivocally, apathy had set in in Manhattan. That's why Bruce Weber was fired. Okay. It's it's almost immediately gone, though, right now already with Jerome Tang. And the players that have come in, the way that he's built excitement on campus and all those things. So, the and I think this is different even than college football. The beauty of college basketball and the way that it's looking with the transfer portal and NIL and the design of it is the turnaround time is almost immediate now in what can happen from one year to the next. And I think the one thing we know about the fan base of Wichita State basketball is if the fan base is excited and thinks a team is really good, 
that's all it takes, right? That's all you need to get somebody in there to sell out that arena and do all the things that everybody wants to see happen. So, again, I worry less about the long term and more about the short term and that, man, I don't want the Shockers to suck this year. I want them to be good. I want them to be competitive. I want them to compete in the American. That's all I want, right? That's 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 what we want in the short term. And seeing what we saw Saturday puts that short term in some high danger. I think it puts the long term in some high danger too. I, I, honestly, I believe that because you can fall off the cliff pretty quickly. And uh, Wichita State is on the precipice of doing that. And th- there's got to be... There's got to be a response right now. You're absolutely correct when you say that Isaac Brown does not have time, does not have time to develop anything. You've got to respond right now uh, because you're looking at issues in the short term. And yeah, there's a scenario on the table. I mean, could Wichita State lose 20 games this year? I mean, yeah, if they don't respond in in the right way, absolutely they can. But I think even more detrimental is there a chance that we could be looking at a complete rebuild of this program where they become basement dwellers in the American for multiple years? I don't want to suggest that's the case. And that might be an overreaction from one loss against Alcorn State. But, I mean, come on, the symptoms are there. There's got to be some kind of remedy. Otherwise, this is going to blow up, and it's going to blow up spectacularly. Well, yeah, I mean, but again, K-State gives us an example of a quick t- – K-State lost its best player in an All-American last year and has turned it around with a class and development. Yeah, but you don't – come on. I mean, the the the, the guys that anybody can get at a, a Big 12 school like Kansas State, it's going to be a little bit different than what you can get at Wichita State. Uh, Memphis doesn't have that problem in the American. I mean, it's a similar market, similar size city, similar situation. Um, other than they also have football now, I mean, it, it can happen. I'm t- like Creighton doesn't have that problem, right? Like it's not it, it Wichita state will be fine. If the NIL opportunities are there, college basketball lends itself to that. If this was football, I'd be, we, I mean, this is why it's so exciting. What's happening at Kansas, obviously, but this isn't football. It's college basketball. It can turn around like that, even not in a power five. We see other leagues with teams do this all the time. And, and and so I think about a school like Memphis, same conference, right? Same conference, similar size city, similar situation. It's a metropolitan school. All the things are there, and they bring in big-time players. Uh, they do that because of Penny, but that, you know, they do it, though. And so – and this is why the ball is in Kevin Saul's court to generate the ability to do that, but with – a fan base and a donor base that made Greg Marshall a top five paid coach in the country while he was coaching in the Valley, right? That exists here. If you can, you and you can recapture that quickly. It takes one big time class. It takes bringing in two transfers. And, and that's why I keep using K-State in as, as an example, because I didn't, I didn't think, and we'll talk about K-State in the next segment because they played Friday since we've talked. I didn't think that they could turn it around this quickly. I thought they would be in contention for the worst team in the Big 12. Not because I wasn't buying into what was happening, but because the Big 12 is really good. Well, all of a sudden, all they needed to do was add Keontae Johnson to an already pretty good group of transfers, right? And it's like, 
well, no, this team could compete perhaps in the Big 12, at least for the middle of the pack in the Big 12. And that happened overnight. And so, yeah, I do think it can turn around quickly. And I think there are schools all around the country that don't play in Power Fives for college basketball, right, that are showing us that there is a path to do that. And I think, and this is a, this is bigger than just Wichita State, I think there are some places for college basketball that exist in big cities. Creighton's a good example in Omaha. Memphis, we just mentioned in Memphis. Uh, there's going to be you know metropolitan schools like that that have a real opportunity here when they don't have to pay football to get and capture some of that, to bring in high-level players where maybe in the past that wasn't an opportunity to do that because you're going to have the resources to do that. Look, all I know is that this could go really bad really, really quick. And so all eyes absolutely are on this program to respond against Richmond to kind of stem the tide a little bit. Um, It's got to be now. It can't be a month from now. It can't be three months from now. It's got to be right now. Um, This is a gut check. It's gut check time for Shocker basketball. Um, As we both have agreed, absolutely unacceptable loss. And again, it can get really bad uh, if you're not careful. If Isaac Brown is not careful, if this program is not careful, it could get really bad. And then you're dealing with not just apathy. You're going a step beyond apathy, and you're going you know, to a point to where it's going to make it really hard to win back people. Uh, and, and so absolutely, they are looking over the edge of the cliff right now. It's going to be a matter, and, and I, I've got faith that Isaac Brown and his coaching staff are going to do everything in their power to have this program respond in a positive way when they play Richmond. And so that's, it's going to be incredibly important uh, to see them do that. Otherwise those questions that we have and everybody has about the program, it's only going to be intensified. So they get from Saturday to Thursday, they'll have five days to prepare for Richmond. Um, I think I'm probably one step further than you are. I think I'm probably where you are now is where I was last year. And seeing Alcorn State is like, okay, this is worst case scenario. If that's what we've got, this is worst case scenario. It was a wake up call for me. I was absolutely, I mean, you heard me a week ago say, hey, everybody, there is no reason to panic about this program. Let's give it some time. Um, I've, I've crossed over that threshold now. I, there's absolutely reason to give it time too. So I'm not, I, there will be a lot of people that, are further than I am. I'm just to the point now where the evaluation starts. So yeah, I'm with you though, in that if it doesn't turn around against Richmond, if they don't respond, then, then this is going to be a tough year. I mean, I, you know, and, and that's not, it's not that simple, right? They could not respond against Richmond and then respond later and it'd be fine. I'm just talking about the, like the vibe here, not the reality, but the vibe we'll see. I don't know anything about this team. That that's what makes this a little last year. We knew about the team, right? There was a lot returning. We kind of knew, and it was a different scenario because the things that we saw the year before were unraveling at this point last year, a couple of games in where we were, there were some struggles, and it was like, where is this coming from? It's not making sense. This year's different. We don't know anything about this team. Like, we don't. Craig Porter even, let's think about it, and and then I'll, I'll wrap with this because we want to spend a little time with K-State. Kevin... Uh, you know, Craig Porter and Kenny Poto are the two big returners to this team. But they're both returners 
being asked to step into much larger roles. So even the guys that are coming back, we don't know anything about because they've never been asked to do the things that they're trying to be asked to do this year. So literally everything is an unknown with this roster, including how they'll respond to one of the worst losses in program history, at least in recent program history. So what are you going to do now? We'll find out Thursday in Richmond. We'll have a chance to spend more time on that game as we make our way through the week. Let's come back. K-State played a basketball game since we've last talked on Friday. We'll do that next. If you missed anything on the program today, kfhradio.com always has us on demand there. Tommy, real quick, K-State basketball played Friday. That's the last thing we've yet to react to. Um, All I know is they covered. I don't know a lot about Cal, but K-State covered whatever the line was. So for what that's worth, uh, we just use it as an evaluation tool, if nothing else. But things looked fine, right? 16-9 again for Keontae Johnson. Marquise Noel looks like... Uh, He is filling in to that point guard spot nicely. Naquan Tomlin is a guy everybody's excited about. Um, A pretty balanced attack again. I think those are probably the three guys most people are looking at to uh, carry most of the load. Desi Sills and uh, Tyke Green seem to be the other contributors. K-State just, I mean, everything looks fine. Everything looks right on track for year one here, and the buzz is growing in Manhattan for basketball. Yeah, Kansas State jumped out to a 15-point lead at halftime, kind of let Cal claw back a little bit in the second half. Um, but but I'm excited about what Keontae Johnson brings to the table. And then Tomlin, um, his size, his length, what he does uh, on the court, I like that too. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, having Noel kind of be that that floor general, kind of the, the unquestioned leader of the team, um, I like that a lot. I mean, again, we know what he was able to do last year. Um and I think he's going to be able to thrive in Jerome Tang's system uh, long-term. And so, uh, yeah, of course, y- you like where they're at right now, 2-0 to start the season. Um, I don't think Cal is a, is a very good team, um, but ultimately you're able to go on the road, kind of the first true road test for the Wildcats. you got to feel good about where they're at right now. I, I still, I've got questions long-term about their viability in the conference uh, this season, but overall, yeah, I mean, you can't ask for, much, uh, for a much better start. Well, my fear in the Big 12 was just that they were going to get athletically overmatched. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think they're athletic enough to compete in a league on a night-to-night basis. They get Kansas City Thursday at 5.30. That one is at Bramlage, and then they hit the Caymans for their holiday tournament. Rhode Island it starts with, then either Nevada or Tulane in another game. So they're going to get some good games out of that tournament too. We're, we're going to know a lot about K-State. They go to they go to Butler, right, right out of that before they come home to Wichita State. Circle December 3rd on the calendar. When Bramlage hosts the Shockers, it's going to be, I think, a sellout. We're going to, two very different scenarios are playing out, but I think we're going to have a pretty critical moment 
for both teams at that point. Um, K-State's going to get tested plenty before then, I think. But but I think that's shaping up to be a real awesome moment, potentially awesome, potentially not, depending on the way you're looking at it, for both of these programs in front of a rowdy and raucous crowd. Probably the first time either school will, will face that environment, right, uh, this year. Now, that'll obviously continue to happen. But for the first time, I bet you that's the first time they both play in that kind of atmosphere. So I'm looking forward to it, and it's closer than we think. We're going to have the holiday tournaments, and then all of a sudden we're going to be there. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that that date in Manhattan, that's going to be kind of a litmus test for both of these programs. It's going to be a true gauge to see where they're both at right now. And and we've, we've equated them to each other multiple times on this show talking about what Jerome Tang has is building in Manhattan, what Isaac Brown has in Wichita, and they're kind of on a collision course against one another. And Isaac Brown has the um, longevity over Jerome Tang right now, but both rosters are still pretty much new for both of these programs. Well, um, K-State has more real... talent at this Absolutely. point. I mean, I, I, I don't think, think there's any yeah. question about that. Well, um, and I think that's something, too, to, to show that Jerome Tang – in a matter of an off season and two right. games has been able to get these guys playing well together. Um, you can't really say the same right now about Wichita state. No. So I think that both that this game on December 3rd, it's going to be a true gauge on where these programs are at, not only relative to one another, but relative to just their, their own development. Yeah. I'm less worried about them, the rivalry, um, cause K state will be a, a favorite, probably fairly heavy in that game just as much as a show me something game on both sides. Uh, by the way, did you see Jerome Yang make his appearance oh, oh on Friday? And that's why nobody has the Pac-12 <laughs> network. That was so bad. The, the name, and then it wasn't Love even it. Jerome Tang that they showed on camera. I know. Um, I know. Not, not it was good one of my, at all. It's one of my favorite things that happened over the weekend. Uh, and look, it's the Pac-12 network. There's a decent chance that some college kid running their graphics system or whatever on the home broadcast. So I'm going to give a li- I'm not going to like try to bring the hammer on something like that because I know that a lot of times those are outfitted by young people that are learning and doing everything else. But man, was that funny. And I, just, I laughed for a long, long time on Friday night at that. Uh, but anyway, 869-1240, we'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the networks today when we return on Sports Daily.